0: And welcome to Black, White.
1: But mostly gray, because life is not always neat and tidy. We live our lives in a million shades of gray, where the lines between right and wrong are blurred by our individual values and experiences.
0: Not every situation is good or bad. Not everything is right or wrong. There are many gray areas in life, and that's what we want to explore. So open your minds and join us. Hi everyone, welcome back to black, white, but mostly gray. Today's topic is one that many Americans can relate to personally. The pandemic affected us all in so many ways. While adults had their share of struggles, kids really felt the impact.
1: And they're still feeling the aftershocks today. Nationally, students suffered deep learning setbacks in reading and math during the pandemic. And even after several years of recovery, The Department of Education found that the average student would need the equivalent of 4.1 additional months of instruction to catch up to pre-COVID reading levels.
0: Yes, I hear there are a lot of uh, behavioral issues going on from educators and uh, administrators as well. And we're going to get to all of that in a moment. But first, show your love of the gray with your very own black, white, but mostly gray swag. Available exclusively at ThinkFreeThreads.com.
1: Got my gray t-shirt last week, and I haven't taken it off, Aliki. It's super soft, looks great. What can I say? Look good, feel good.
0: I mean, I always look good, (laughs) Daniel.
1: Yeah, when you want to. Remember, I've seen you in some of your low moments, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I still look good even then. Okay.
1: But let's move on. As we usually do, let's take a peek into Aliki's world where she explains some of her recent social media posts to me and and, and to us. Are you ready, Aliki?
0: I'm always ready, Deno.
1: The first one includes a photo where you're very smartly dressed, I might say, and you're commenting on how Africa labels people by tribe and not race. Can you... Read and comment.
0: So, you know, I just said, it is a, p- a photo of myself at work, you know. I just said more and than Lenga. Those are the two tribes that uh, actually clans that I come from because, you know, I'm from one tribe, the Aringa tribe, but, you know, my mom comes from Gaya, and my, my dad comes from Lenga. So I just posted the photo saying I'm more and than Lenga because I look more like my mom's people. But, yeah, I mean... As far as how we identify on the continent, really, we are a tribal society, you know, and they're, according to Google, over what, like... 3,000. 3,000 tribes. I think it's even more than that. So These you can probably...
1: excuse me if I don't know all the names of the tribes.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think anybody, not even an African, uh, him or herself, would know uh, how many of the names of the tribes. So, uh, you know, we're still a tribal society, even though... We've started kind of uh, identifying, oh, oh, one might say that tribes are being replaced by political groups like elected councils and parliaments and, and, and national assemblies, you know, things like that. But even within that, we're still kind of group ourselves within tribes.
1: Well, you know, others say that, you know, tribalism creates a sense of belonging in communities. So, you know, that, that I think is, is certainly one of the attributes of tribalism
0: of course I mean these days that word you know has negative connotations but really that's the most basic uh identification I would think um
1: only by ba- people think thinking of it negatively
0: well I, I mean I don't I,
1: think a tribalism is negative
0: oh yeah I mean if you really think about some of the genocides that that occurred in our lifetime already in terms of like let's let's say the Rwandan genocide and stuff a lot of that was you know tribal you know there's a lot of tribalism that that went into all of that. Even some of the conflicts, like some of the civil wars, the civil war was born during, um, you know, back in the days of Idi Amin or whatever, uh, when he was being kicked out, you know, we were, they came after our tribe, you know, the tribes that were were closely affiliated with him. So yeah, tribalism, it, it does carry just like racism, uh, carries um, a lot of negative connotations, but really, you know, that's from a political standpoint.
1: You know yeah. You? Yeah. I guess I didn't think of it negatively because I'm probably a little too ignorant about it. I should know more about it.
0: Uh, I mean, you're just used to race versus uh, tribes, you know, because here we identify in, in the US, it's by race, right? Which I think is essentially the same thing, really.
1: There's tribalism in the United States, though, too. I mean, you could, yes, we identify by race, but we also, I, identify by geography we identify by our heritage it's there's tribes i mean go to go to a packer viking game there are tribes
0: oh i forget yes especially these sports teams yeah you yeah. can look at those as uh tribes in a way
1: hey let's let's go and look at your next post can you read it for us
0: of course it says you become unstoppable when you work on things that people can't take away from you. Things like your mindset, character, and personality. And rightfully so. All other things can be taken away from us. You know, car can be taken away, your your, your career. And a lot of this stuff that, you know, we stress ourselves about day in, day out can easily be taken away from us. But, you know, the things that really make you who you are, uh, like your mindset and character and all of that, that, Those things cannot be taken away. So, you know, that was just a reminder for myself to um, focus on the things that matter.
1: I don't know why, but that really triggered Zig Ziglar in my mind. And Zig Ziglar, he's he's like 30 years older than I am, but was a guru and a motivational teacher. You ever heard of the name Zig Ziglar? Oh, yeah.
0: That's a popular one within the motivational community. I always see Quincy in there, yeah, by him
1: he he has a real famous uh, quote on 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 the topic and it's if you are not willing to learn no one can help you if you are determined to learn no one can stop you i think that's that's a motivation to keep within yourself too i mean if you're willing to learn if you're willing to to do what it takes no one can stop you
0: that's that's it that's right so those are the things we need to focus on instead of all this other stuff.
1: What a great name, though. Zig Ziglar.
0: Right. I wonder, is that his real name or that's like a stage name? You know, like I got Gemini musings. It almost looks like. I,
1: I did, they have, did they have stage names like in the 1920s and 30s?
0: Well, people were acting back then, right? And then people are writing back then, you know,
1: I don't know. We'll We'll look that up and get back to you folks. All right, here's our final post, which is a quote from Tiana Barrow. Can you read it for us?
0: It says, the right people for your soul hear you differently, show up differently, support you differently, and nourish you differently. That's how you will know. And of course, just another reminder, another post, uh, not just for me, but, you know, people who can relate to it, you know, in all our different relationships, you really do know, you can tell who is genuine and authentic by the actions and how they react to you. So that's the reason I kind of posted that.
1: Now this Tiana Barrow is, I, I guess, a, a social media influencer. Is that what you'd say?
0: You know, I can't say I know much about Tiana Barrow. I, I apologize for that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so she's just out there posting stuff like that, but, but good stuff. But, you know, in, ter- in terms of looking for Mr. and Mrs. Right, you know, according to Life Hack, because you got to understand, I've been out of the, you know, I've been out of the game for like fifty years, so I, I, had to, I have to, I have to research my answers. Uh, but according to Life Hack, you'll know that you found Mr. and Mrs. Right based on physical chemistry, genuine interest in your life, makes you feel love, gives you space, remembering tiny details about. You. That can be that be creepy sometimes, can't it? Remembering tiny details about you?
0: Yeah, well, it's only creepy if you don't really like the person. <laughs> and then it's funny you you mentioned physical chemistry. I I read somewhere, you know, somebody made the comment which I thought was kind of interesting. It said, uh, you know those butterflies you get? That's not necessarily a sign of uh, a good match. It, it that might actually be just, you know, your spirit, your soul, your body." <laughs> Anxiety, yeah, wanting you to run the hell away. Right. <laughs> but we we call those butterflies now, you know.
1: Well, that that's a much better, uh, much more positive spin. Let's say that.
0: Yeah, but I'm more into kind of like the soulmate stuff, you know. Like it says some tips for finding your soulmate is like you know be yourself, be comfortable with yourself, know what you want, know what makes you feel loved know your life goals, know your values, because people are going to treat you uh, according to how you you treat yourself. You know, I think the first person that one needs to love is themselves. And I'm not saying that in a narcissistic way, but when you know what you want and how you want it, then you can easily communicate that to a person that you're interested in.
1: Well, once again, some great stuff from our favorite Gemini. Erica's joining us after the break to discuss the new normal for post-pandemic kids. Stay with us.
2: My name is David Murray and I am creator and owner of Think Free Threads and Thangs, a Black-owned online apparel company. Our apparel is fun, simple, and think-free, with messages that encourage us to think freely, independently, creatively, intelligently, and wisely. We are excited to be the exclusive provider of Black, White, but Mostly Grey apparel. You can check it out along with everything else we offer on our website thinkfreethreadsandthings.com that's thinkfreethreadsandthings.com you can also find more info and a link to our website on the grapevine page of butmostlygray.com if we think free we will move closer to achieving a more fair and equitable society for all people
1: Welcome back. You know, I don't know about you, but I'll always remember how surreal the world became when COVID descended upon America. People telling you to wear a mask, get a shot, stay home from work, wash your hands. Every night the news was reporting grim statistics of Americans sick, hospitalized, and dying.
0: Imagine being a kid while all this was going on and then trying to land remotely via a Zoom call instead of going to school. Those poor teachers, I can't even imagine trying to get a, f- a five or six-year-old to pay attention on a Zoom call.
1: Yeah, well, the pandemic had an impact on them too and still does. During the six years prior to the pandemic, about 14% of teachers used more than their allotted sick days, but lately that that has climbed up to almost 20%. And similar reports show that this is happening throughout the country. People are, uh, teachers are just checking out, a Uh,
0: Not surprising at all. I mean, I I wasn't teaching. I was working and I was check, checked out too. Uh, yeah, teachers are burned out and tired. Uh, tired of the disruptions caused by COVID. Tired of parents expecting them to raise their kids. Tired of the lack of funding and support. I mean, at some point, I I actually thought about going into teaching, but I saw the the things teachers were going through, and this was pre uh, pandemic, pre COVID. So I can just imagine how much worse it's gotten since then.
1: Erica, you and yeah, Mike yeah. Were both, you and Mike were both working when the pandemic hit. What was it like for you? What sort of adjustment was it to go from sending your daughter off to school every day to having her work or learn from home?
3: It was a definite disruption. Luckily, we were um, fortunate to have employers that were understanding and um, were able to carve out time. And also, my daughter was 10 so, I didn't have to have a kindergartner trying to sign into a Zoom. She was pretty self sufficient and could take care of most things by herself. Yeah, e learning, we remember everybody thought, you know, how long can this be? Maybe one or two weeks. But then okay. as the weeks dragged on, it's like, oh, shoot, we better get a dedicated space for her to set up shop. You know, the kitchen table isn't working anymore for us.
1: Akia okay, had a big run on build your own. Desk yeah. And- <laughs> You couldn't find them on Facebook Marketplace. Certainly, there were exceptions. Some kids did very well. But the nation's report card says that basically, we wiped out two decades of progress for math scores for fourth and eighth graders. Yeah, I saw that. Through your period.
3: Yeah, the fourth grade students won't catch up to uh, 2019 math levels until 2036 at this rate.
1: Well, are they still going to be in fourth grade in 2036?
3: Hopefully not. I, I don't think that's, they'll hold them that that's long. That's going to be uh, some
1: old fourth graders. Yeah,
3: that. yeah. You know, these kids are looking older anyways.
0: Well, kids kids these days, they don't really write well or, I don't know, like reading and writing with, with all this technology.
1: Man, Aliki, you sound like your grandparents, you know? Yeah. kids... Kids these days, they just don't respect their elders, yeah, they don't they, read. And I mean, write and arithmetic. I mean, we're,
0: we're technically going back to the days of uh, you know, the hieroglyphics, you know, with all these emojis and stuff. I mean, you ever text back and forth with these kids? I'm like, what is this? You can't, you know, you can't write a complete sentence. <laughs> well, Lyla yeah, I mean,
3: Lila rel- relies on this thing called Grammarly to mm-hmm. run her stuff through because she. Does she has no idea how many commas to put where and nobody's learning about prepositional phrases anymore apparently so it's, well, let, it's me, pretty... let me tell you
1: in five years prepositional phrases are going to be pretty irrelevant you know these kids have to they're they're entering a whole new world with you know the the tools that are available to them and mm-hmm. how they've got to harness them i mean you know it's overwhelming at times but pretty exciting too
0: well, I guess yeah. in the age of AI, you know, what what do they need really? Why do they need to learn how to read and write, right? Unless you know, you you know, something happens because I mean, technology is fickle too. Like, something could happen where you know we don't have access to technology. So, what are they going to do? How are they going to survive? Those are those are the kind of things I think about sometimes. Like, yeah, technology is great, and our, our kids now and grandkids, you know, they do well when they have access to it. But what happens when that's not there? I mean, with all these uh, natural disasters that are happening, you know, we get storms that disrupt power lines and stuff. Remember what happened in Texas? Where people went for like weeks without power? I mean, like, so those kind of things. Like, we still, I think, need to impart the importance of reading and writing and being able to... Be critical thinkers with that, depending on uh, technology for, for for the future generation. I think it's it's a good plan B.
1: I couldn't agree more that the challenge for us as a society and for our educators is how do we give our kids the critical thinking skills they need so they can use these tools and use them for good and not get uh, swept away by, you know, this whole AI generation.
0: That's that's the challenge. You know, the pandemic has affected kids and parents, of course, in a big way. Teachers of second and third graders are saying uh, these kids can't read, you know. Uh, so my ranting there, you know, is not just me ranting. I mean, it's real statistics out there.
1: They're saying the younger kids are talking and walking and interacting later and less frequently. They're more prone to certain behaviors like outbursts and aggression and separation anxiety. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it was a traumatic time to be a kid. It still is a dra- traumatic time to be a kid.
3: That's really unfortunate, too, because, you know, for these school-age kids, um, I worked for a, um, a learning software company for a couple years back in the day. You know, you, you just understand that if somebody can't read independently by third grade, they are Gonna have a real
0: hard time because you're not learning to read. Then you're reading to learn. Jeez! And then the impact of it on uh, infants and toddlers—that's another one that uh we don't talk about most often. But there's definitely big time, big time behavioral issues. I remember I was spending time. I think that was uh, 2021 with my niece out in Texas, and she is definitely you know an uh, uh, an iPad kid. And um, so she's <laughs> a,
1: she's a Gen Alpha.
0: Yeah, she is. She actually just turned uh, four (laughs) or five, I
3: think. So,
1: Gen Alpha, is anyone born between 2010 and 2024?
0: Yes. Actually, she was born at the onset of the pandemic, I remember. Yeah, of course, she's attached to her technology. And I just remember one time, you know, we're sitting there, you know, she's on her iPad, of course, you know, watching her games. And, you know, a commercial came on that her tiny finger couldn't like forward, you know right away and she was so pissed and she just looked at me took the ipad and hit me on the head yeah i was like oh my god and it was painful too i was like and you can't she was so young it's like you can't really do anything to her and i'm looking at this little girl like are you kidding me and then she repeated it a couple a couple times so i had to punish her to let her know that you know definitely that is not the way to handle your frustration (laughs) But, you know, it's understandable that because that's what they know. I'm guilty. I've I've given my kid the iPad for long stretches of time just to
3: save my own sanity. And, you know, with COVID and everybody being home, we just needed to fill some large stretches of time. I mean, you can only place categories so much or pretty soon you're you're busting out the twister board and somebody's getting hurt. You know, so we we did allow the iPad. I, I think just knowing when when enough is enough, balancing that is really important. Well, two
0: studies from uh, Rhode Island Hospital and the nonprofit Lena Foundation found that babies born during the pandemic vocalize and engage in verbal interactions much less than their pre-pandemic counterparts did. The researchers point to lack of exposure compounded by caregivers stress. Mm. pandemic babies uh, also had fewer people talking and interacting with them for uh, less time every day so i guess everything we're discussing does make sense and we can just all we can do is try to
1: do our best you know going forward as a grandparent with seven grandkids who's pretty much introduced each of them to their to the ipad i i do want to say there are some benefits of tablets and technology i you know, I think it helps improve their their vocabulary, their skills. You want to have your kids ready to go to school because they're using tablets already at uh, 4K. I, I'm amazed how a four-year-old can figure out a password and uh, shrink a screen and go to a a, a video that they want. I mean, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's I true. think of what you and I could do at four years old. I mean, I don't think we could button our trousers and tie our shoes yet, could we at four?
3: No,
0: I don't I think some of us could. (laughs) (laughs) I guess not back in the dinosaur days,
1: right? Hey, hey, Aliki, are we getting this Asian superiority thing going at us again here? Well, you know, we are are high
3: performers. Yeah.
1: You were ahead of the curve. (laughs) I probably tied your shoes before I did. But I'll tell you the one question I have for my grandkids, is this making you smarter or is this turning your mind to mush? They mm-hmm. don't always answer it, but, you know.
3: That's because they're zombies.
1: Yes, it makes they're, me feel better, so.
3: Yeah, they don't even hear you. I mean, I think mine has um, her headphones permanently connected to her poor little ears. So Occasionally, she'll pop an ear out and be like, what'd you say? As you, I'm walking past or to command food or something like that. You
1: could be three feet away talking to them, what do you want for dinner? What do you want for dinner? What do you want for dinner? And they are so zoned in. And then it's like mm-hmm. the third time, then they're looking at you like, there's no way she didn't hear me three times, you know?
0: Do you ever wonder, Erica, about the, you know, the many headphones leading to some hearing problems in the future? Myself, I, I have selective hearing, and
3: I say what a lot. So I'm, I think it's maybe just in her, in the in the cards for her. So whether it happens now or later.
1: Grandma Leaky, remember when your parents and grandparents told you that that loud rock music was going to ruin your hearing? How'd that, and- how'd that turn out?
0: I never listened to rock music.
1: <laughs> you know Erica, some some say they really are not iPad kids. It's there's iPad parents and we've talked a little bit about it. You know, some kids have been glued to the internet since, you know, infancy. You know that iPad kids are the result of parents working increasingly demanding careers and as you mentioned, finding a way to fill some of those large gaps. You know, half of all, all kids today have uh, access to newer mobile devices at home, which would be either an iPad or a tablet or some have smartphones even. So,
3: yeah, it's pretty rare, I think, for a kid not to have some access to a tablet or a phone, depending on what they're doing. If they're going out to eat, you know, it's the way to keep them quiet while you eat. Um even as far as I've seen, kids in and uh, it's like a church service with little headphones on. That's pretty bad. But oh, and you know, bad. I'm guilty. I'm guilty too. And we started off, uh, y- you know, an hour here, an hour there, and then it just sort of went to two or three hours. And you know what? I I keep tabs on my kid. I know that she's doing well in school, so. If that is what she likes to do in her spare time, um, I'm right next to her on my phone. So I, I feel like I
0: can't really say much. I guess the number one thing that parents were just, they could not wait for the kids <laughs> to go back to school. Now, because think about it, you're you're working your regular shift at home while your kids are there 24-7. I mean, I, I don't well, know how you guys did it.
3: Well, and things weren't great before COVID, but, mm-hmm. you know, during and then after, it's just like everything's gotten more and more and more, good or bad, iPads and technology in general are here to stay. So maybe the best thing we can do is make sure we're keeping mental health in mind, if there's a problem, to recognize it sooner than later, and to to really make sure that you're keeping tabs on what your kids are watching. There's some bad stuff out there.
1: You know, if we could switch gears a little to mental health today in a post-pandemic world, for all of us, but especially kids. Alicia, did you know that one in five young people have reportedly made a suicide plan? Uh, That was as of 2021. One in five. What Thinking about yeah? Suicide.
0: That is scary. Yeah,
1: that really
0: is one in five. That's that's a lot of children, and I I can see why because I think I went through that. I wasn't necessarily feeling suicidal, but I remember working you know from home in the basement for like eight months, and I was just like, I need to get the heck out of here. And that's when I bought a ticket and just went to Uganda for a while. And I think that helped me Mm -hmm. a a lot.
1: You you know, I think going to school every day isn't what everybody needs, but I think it's what most people need. Mm -hmm. You know, I think feelings of isolation and hopelessness, you know, you had so many kids that were spending most of the day by themselves when they weren't on a Zoom call, weren't getting that socialization. You know, not to mention that, you know, there were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids that lost a parent uh, or a caregiver primary caregiver during COVID and the, you know, the impact that that had on kids and their lives, seeing, you know, grandma and grandpa, uh, uncle, aunt, or in in some cases, even mom or dad uh, go to the hospital and never coming home.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, the statistics are staggering. You know, uh, it it is reported, you know, I think this is a CDC research. Uh, It's, it says the COVID-19, pandemic era ushered in a new set of challenges for uh, U.S. youth, and I think it's global, but this this focused you know, specifically on American kids, leading to a mel- uh, mental health crisis uh, as declared by the United States Surgeon General just over uh, a year ago. Uh, it says, uh, U.S. children and teens have been suffering for, f- for far longer. In the 10 years leading up to the pandemic, the feelings of persistent sadness and hopelessness, as well as suicidal thoughts and behaviors, increased by about 40% among young people. And then during the pandemic, depression and anxiety in youth doubled compared to pandemic levels.
1: Yeah, I I, I found a study uh, published in the JAMA Pediatrics Journal that said the prevalence of depression increased from 8.5% of kids before the pandemic. Twenty five point two percent now, so it's like one in four kids are showing some sort of depression symptoms, Mm. and uh, you know it's 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 hard. You know, it's the lack of social interaction, you know, limited opportunities to play and physical activities. You know, I think some of that's coming back now, but it's going to take a while for people to catch up.
3: I don't think it's ever going to be the same. Nope, it's always going to be like, you know, before COVID, I I always see it in my mind, like before COVID activities and then after COVID and things are back, but they're not the same. And I think kids do miss some of that stuff that sort of just died on the vine. You know, maybe some of those events that just never made it back. Or um, I know a lot of kids have been um, struggling with, they call it Mm -hmm. re-entry, avoidance of going back to school of social situations, participating in sports like they did before. It's just something they did before, then they didn't get to do it for a couple years. And now it's like, uh, they have that awkwardness and that anxiety of getting back in the saddle. And um, they don't know how to interact with humans anymore. They've lost that. Right. Right. And And they're playing a lot of young people are playing more video games mm-hmm. because they can go they can go home to the safety of their own rooms, log on and have some source of socialization, but it's not a face-to-face interaction. You have that escape and that submersion into a really virtual and highly engaging electronic world.
0: Yep, they're basically just uh, out there using their own avatars, right? Yeah, you can yeah. be what you want to be, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's actually I'm not surprised by that at all because as old as I am, I suffered from some similar issues. Like I, I couldn't even. I remember trying to interview for a few jobs right after the pandemic, and I was I couldn't do it. It was mm-hmm. my my people skills, and you know I'm quite I'm quite good uh, with people. But I I had issues with that. So one of the things I decided to do was actually go work at this this hotel. I I literally had to reintroduce myself in a way. You know, like I had to, yeah, I just, I was a different person, let's say, when I went out there. So it took me a while to actually start feeling normal and to start interacting with other human beings normally. Well, as
3: As normal as you can get, I suppose. Exactly.
0: A leaky
1: normal,
3: leaky normal. Well, you know,
1: when we talk about the impact of the pandemic, we have to always realize that there are some people that it's going to impact very negatively. And some people are going to find the silver lining of all of this, you know, and, you know, some kids have now displayed increased resiliency, coping skills as a result of uh, what they went through in the pandemic. Others are saying that, Many kids gained valuable digital skills
2: mm-hmm. during the
1: pandemic and mm-hmm. and they found that their use of technology now has positively impacted them in terms of their academic achievement. I think a lot of it depended on what sort of support were you getting at home? because I, I know here in Milwaukee there, there there were some some kids that throughout the pandemic, they never opened a book, they never went online. They never had the opportunity because they, you know, they didn't have access to the tools they needed. The families that you know were able to provide that, you know, their their kids are probably no worse for the wear.
0: Well, to a certain you know, extent. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I had a this an interesting uh, example. A friend of mine, you know, who is a single uh, parent, had their had uh, his teenage son staying with him during the pandemic. And this kid, he just never really attended those classes, right? The the virtual online classes. This th- this kids out there, you know, he found he found out later that this kid was out there like basically ordering stuff off of Amazon. No, <laughs> oh. I, I mean, yeah. So imagine it's just a father and son situation. There's not much structure. You know, and the kid, you know, he's an overachiever naturally, right? So the father's just like, oh, he's fine. He's you know, he's paying attention. He's taking his virtual classes. No, everything just went. So that's that's. I guess you know that's not going in line with what Daniel was saying in terms of the positive stuff. But when you do think about horrible things that we go through as adults. Uh, not as adults just as human beings in general whether they were children or were children or not the only way to really turn these negative things into something positive later on is you know by using that as fuel right you got to use the the negative stuff that happened to you that you went through as fuel to keep going and to imagining a brighter future and going uh, and moving towards that future so the children that are going to be doing well uh, will be those kids uh, that understand that or have parents or adults in their lives that can help them turn that all the negatives the grit the they grit call, yeah they they need grit
3: and they need the ability to learn and to be critical thinkers exactly. i mean those those are the skills that are going to get you places mhm and there's so many adults without those skills and it's you you can you can tell where they're struggling
0: Let's not even go there, Erica. Let's not get started. I know. After sorry. Minute, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just, that's, that <laughs> exactly, we can go exactly. on forever.
1: Hey, ladies, it looks like the sand in the hourglass is almost gone. Uh, any final thoughts?
0: I think it's more important than ever to show compassion and empathy for our fellow humans and to our kids. They need us to show them the way and to lead them out of the darkness.
3: Uh, that's really well put, Aliki. It's up to each of us to create a new normal for these kids, a normal where we advocate for mental health support in and out of schools, a new normal where we can teach our kids that it's okay to be nice and it's okay to help out someone who needs our help. Also, a new normal where parents, educators and everyone really commits to the future of our children. We have to do better than before and we must make a different and better world for our kids.
1: Good stuff, Erica. I couldn't agree more.
0: Well, that's going to wrap things up. Please visit our website at butmostlygray.com for more stuff to feed your brain. Please like and share our stuff on Facebook and Instagram as well. Thanks so much for listening. Keep an open mind, a kind heart, and join us next time for Black, White, but Mostly Gray. Namaste, my friends. Hakuna Matata.
1: The McGinnity Family Foundation seeks to transform the world by helping young people use their innovative spirit to address local and global challenges. Our quarterly grant cycle is open and we are accepting applications. We invite young people aged 30 and under to apply for grants to fund their game-changing, socially innovative projects that address community needs. We are specifically looking for projects that align with our sustainability framework and address mental health racial equality, and or a community need that resulted from COVID-19. Visit the Grapevine page of butmostlygray.com for a link to our website and more information. McGinnity Family Foundation, transforming the world by giving voice to our young people.